Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta. Makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. Daiwa. They have what you need for every application at every price point. There is no reason for you to not be using Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to get the free We Fish ASA app for iDevices at the Play Store. The podcast is always available at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced at Berserk Productions in Land Lakes, Florida. Our executive producer is Brad Nearman. Thanks for all you do, Brad. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We're going to speak with Pat Nye, executive director of the National Professional Anglers Association. And then we'll be with a winner... He's probably the best smallmouth fisherman going. He just won a huge event on the St. Lawrence River, averaging over five pounds per fish, three days, 15 fish. Uh, unbelievable 77-pound total. Chris Johnston of the famous Canadian Johnston Brothers will be with us to talk smallmouth bass fishing in just a little bit. But first, let me turn it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to welcome... Our good friend Dan Johnston from St. Croix. David, take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. Well, that's glad to hear. We always appreciate what you have to offer. Today, uh, what I'd like to talk about is uh, seasonal movements of the fish. Not seasonal patterns, seasonal movements. So just in general, for most places across the country, you and I are not saltwater experts. We fish inland. We fish, you know, freshwater. For, you know, we do some saltwater stuff, but I think uh, what we want to talk about here is, you know, lakes and rivers and uh, places that these fish move uh, seasonally. And, and, and it's a big, big topic, but uh, you know, I, I think we ought to start off with, uh, we go from wintering all the way back to to late fall before they go into winter again, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's, you know, it is a, it is a big, big topic because fish movements, you know, there's a lot of little things that go along with the major categories and specifically what I would mean would be, you know, what does the bait do or what's the river or lake doing in regard to water level? Um, what's the clarity? Uh, fish move in accordance to all those things just as much as they do to their larger topic seasonal movements. But back to the first bigger point, you know, you have your wintering grounds where those fish hang out, deep water basins, um, areas to where they're really just hanging out. They're obviously looking for a desired water temperature. Uh, there's certainly 100% still feeding. It's just they have a, a lot more limited windows. You got your water a lot colder. And as we all know, obviously they're cold-blooded creatures, you know, so they're the temperature of that water. So we need to understand that. And then as you move into the uh, 
they make a big movement from that area to spawning areas, but they'll actually feed on their way back. So, you know, they're following big migratory creek channel routes, creek channel bends, areas that take these the bait and the fish back to areas where they're eventually going to bed up. And then that's going to be, you know, hard bottom substrate areas that get the right amount of sun. Um, you'll want to look at water temperature in that scenario. It's going to move them into there and then they'll go into the actual spawning phase where they're not feeding, where they're really got their mind on one thing. And then there's that dreaded post deal, <laughs> which we've all been through. That's a real, thank goodness. That's a relatively short window. A lot of suspended fish pulling out to the first drop type deal. Uh, bluegill beds become gold then, at least especially for bass. And then they'll go back into that feeding mode where you just catch them like crazy and then they'll wolf back up in the fall. So that's kind of a real long story short, but it's really important to understand that, like we said, that real high level look at it. But, you know, to the listener out there, you really have to factor in everything that's going on at the same time. Did you get a front? Did you get a big rain? What's the size of your bait fish? What is the bait fish? And so forth. That factors in just as much. Absolutely. And and for the guys up north, it doesn't make a difference where they winter because to get at them, we got to drill holes. And and for the upper part of the country that gets ice, we don't get the fish them in the winter. But for the guys at south, they do. And and many times you said where the bait was and, and that they were cold, cold-blooded, so they're the temperature of the water. But the winter areas for these uh Game fish and the bait fish in many times, in many cases, are the same place. So for them to feed, it's not bad. And I think they can be in the same place because of the lot less feeding going on during the winter because of the metabolism, don't you think? I, I, I do. I agree with that. And, here, and here's another thing. And those of us that ice fish can say this can speak to it factually is fish will stay in good vegetation for a long, long time. It doesn't have to be deep in the wintertime. Hey, really, it's the quality of the vegetation that'll hold them. Dave, there's places, as you know, that we're fishing, uh, ice fishing on backwaters and rivers that's three foot deep yep. with ice over the top of it. And they'll get there. It doesn't necessarily have to be a deep basin type area. But generally speaking, when we're talking about lakes and you get into late fall and the vegetation starts to get real poor, then they will pull. They will pull deep. Um, and, you know, crappies and bluegills after the spawn, uh, big ones, especially big ones, they'll go deep as well. You know, depending on the, it, it, it is a thermocline and that's a whole other topic. So like we're saying, this is a, there's a lot to this, but to understand the basic movements of them is really important. Yeah. And, and so the seasonal movement from going from the, the wintering grounds, you, you mentioned it, uh, and, and places where there's creek channels on impoundments and things like that. The bass use those like a highway and, and they're coming up and, and probably because that deeper water goes in, um, closer to those banks and and if people think about it with the air temperature that it where where it is the surface water isn't the warmest water in the in the winter uh many times it's down farther so that you get the groundwater uh ground heating effect effect where like well water comes out of the ground every day of the year at 55 degrees you know when you're talking about wells that are down 70 100 150 feet 200 feet it's 55 degrees so it's it's uh, not cold or warm so i think following those creek channels in their their metabolism remains the same for for quite a ways in as they get in so you said that's the next movement uh, uh going in those creek channels so how would you approach fishing for those fish on that uh, early migration pattern heading to the spawn 
It's, it's one of the best questions that could ever be asked. I think we're all still learning that for sure, but I can tell you my strategy, and I, I certainly highway is the right word. They definitely use them not only for routes to get back to spawning areas, but bait use them as well. So what I normally do, Dave, is I'm looking at obviously wind and sun and all those things can position fish, but generally speaking, is I'm looking for any nuance in that channel does it make a bend and specifically does it make a bend close to a bank and even more specifically if you get one that makes a bank a bend towards a bank towards a point and you get all three of those together they just seem to be there either it's one wave of them or it's the next wave or it's resident fish some fish stay in areas like that all year and all they'll do is move up on top to spawn and come hang out again so that's really a golden deal any type of irregularity in shape in that creek channel and if it makes contact with anything and it doesn't have to be anything visual when i see a point it can be an underwater point off the lake that slopes out and the creek channel hits that you don't see it with your naked eye but you can certainly graph it and those are the types of things that are just money spots for a deep crankbait or dragging a carolina rig or suspending jerkbait is really Probably my favorite way to catch them when they're in that first initial migratory move back when the water's cold in spots like that. Absolutely. So in the smaller lakes uh, in the Midwest and upper Midwest and, you know, different places, uh, probably most of the fish spawn at the same exact time. But in these big impoundments, uh, they don't. There, there's waves of spawn that come up. And, and uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about that because the north uh facing coves generally get a spawn first and you know down towards the other end of the if there, there's a dam on the lake they spawn later correct it's amazing and it's one of the biggest things biggest eye openers talk about a topic we're all still every topic in fishing we're all still trying you know we're all learning every day i, I would say this is certainly falls in that category the reason why is because not only can on a big lake can they be spawning at different times surely because of water temperature you get north exposed coves warm up faster than south exposed coves that's just the most layman term example but water clarity is another thing that can determine when these fish move up and most importantly and specifically where they spawn in terms of depth you can have a lake where they're bedded up in three foot and the other part of the lake they're bedded up in 12 depending on how clear the water is so definitely keep that in mind too and in some cases that dirty water can be a little warmer so not only are they bedding up shallower but they're starting to bed up sooner so i have had times before where i'm fishing bedded fish and then on the exact same lake i'm fishing pre-spawners in different water temperature and clarity and it's amazing especially a big lake absolutely uh Many times after the spawn, these fish go in kind of a lull to recuperate a little bit, but they they probably pull back to an edge. But after that, they're going to where they're they can be almost anywhere. Um, that can be kind of confusing, also. But they they do scatter after that after that recuperation period, don't you think? Yeah, and it you know they talk about. I even mentioned it that you know the dreaded post spawn shut down but you know the more we learn about that specifically the more successful we can be and i mentioned bluegill beds and i tell you for anybody bass fishing out there that one is the one that man i mean there's there's times where structure scan and site imaging is so good now you can graph those things even if you can't see them with your naked eye and i've spent hours and hours times that time of year looking for just those and doing nothing but waypointing them before i even go bass fishing 
because I know the bass hang out post-spawn, especially post-spawn largemouth. Love to hang around bluegill beds because kind of like you and I, Dave, sitting in the lobby of a motel waiting to, for the people to bring the food out in the morning, and they're just, you're just there. And they just slip up, eat something, and slide off. And <laughs> I would say the same thing also about the shad spawn. Um, there's times that there, there's things that can trigger fish that aren't necessarily in the feeding mode they normally are in most year, but they'll still bite because they're just right in the kitchen. And if we can be there at the time that's happening, it can really help you. Absolutely. And, and you know, every one of these, uh, you know, we, we're covering the broad spectrum of, of seasonal movement, but every one of these movements and seasons that we catch them in, we've done podcasts on them before, and you, we can talk for the whole time period of, of this segment. But uh, th- this gives people an idea of, uh, of an overall and... Uh, you know, we, we definitely will expand on, and, and we do uh, each each movement uh, throughout the year, but uh, always good information, and I definitely uh, thank you for being on the podcast again. Oh, always my pleasure, Dave. Thanks so much. That, that was Dan Johnson. This segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Cran, Steve Sarley is remote, and the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest definitely has a passion for the outdoors, has, has a passion for the youth angler of this nation, and I welcome him back to the podcast. Uh, Pat and I, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you today? I am great. Uh, Pat and I is the uh, president of the National Professional Anglers Association and also president of the Future Anglers Foundation, and uh, we've had Pat on before, and, and he's got an event coming up uh, October 20th through the 22nd at Sandusky, Ohio, and tell us a little bit first about the organization, in case there's listeners out there that haven't heard you speak here before, and and uh, about your upcoming event. Awesome. Um, glad to do that. So, the National Professional Anglers Association, or NPAA, um, is a an organization comprised of 
any angler has taken a step from passion to profession. So guides, charter captains, angler educators, um, you know, even someone like yourself with your retail store can be members of our association. And it's, it's geared at the business side of angling. Um, we're about 1,500 member organization and growing pretty quickly. And been around since uh, the late 90s. And uh, just really um, concentrate on the, you know, helping support and grow and protect the sport and then, you know, the professionalism of our members. So you know, help them become better at what they do. Excellent. And yeah, and, and uh, I am a member of the uh, MPAA and I, I, uh, I guide and I have the retail store. And I, of course, in the media end of stuff, I, I uh, write for Fishing Tackle Retailer and I do this podcast. And then I also uh, fish Major League Fishing uh, Big Five on the Northern Division. So there's, there's so many, if you're in this industry and you're, you're taking it to the next level and you're a, uh, a professional in it and making your living off of it, you should be a member of this. And, and, uh, a lot of good information comes out on the newsletters that you send out, and I definitely read it and appreciate the, uh, the you know, the insight that I get from that. Well, it's, it, and that's part of what we do. I mean, there's there's numerous benefits to being a member, and one of those is our annual conference that's coming up, as you said, on October 20th to the 22nd. Um, we changed it. It used to be a January event. We've moved it prior to COVID even. Um, we got a little lucky. Uh, we moved it from from last January to this coming October um, with the hopes that we can get more people to come and participate. Uh, it's at a time of year where we can do an on the water segment on Friday. We've never been able to do that. We don't have to worry about snowstorms. We're going to be in Sandusky, Ohio, uh, which is, you know, Lake Erie, wildlife capital of the world and some of the best kept secrets as far as bass fishing on Sandusky Bay. It's uh, off the charts. Um, so that's what we're doing. The, the 20th and the 21st will be our uh, typical conference, which includes workshops. Mike Iaconelli is doing a branding workshop. Tyler Anderson's doing one on content creation. Tyler is a uh, YouTube phen uh, phenom uh, on angler education. He's got 200 and some thousand followers. Um, and then we'll have, uh, you know, a lot of networking, uh, both at the expo that we're putting on. So we're actually having an expo with boats and motors and Mercury's uh, trailer is going to be there, or Semi and, and Yamaha's trailer with product. And, you know, it's going to be a, a real expanded event over what we've ever done. Excellent, excellent. And uh, and the fishing is a, uh, is that a fun event or uh, non-fee? How are you working that? Well, the, there's going to be a fun tournament on Friday, October 22nd. Um, anybody who registers for the conference uh, will qualify to fish that event. Uh, we will have prizes, uh, cash and otherwise. Um, so we'll have a walleye division and a bass division and then a big fish pot for each bass and walleye. Um, the big fish pot will be divided by those that contribute to the Future Angler Foundation um, any amount, $50 or more, um, and then we'll split $1,000 between, uh, you know, the big bass and the big walleye and, um, during that event. It's going to be a fish donkey style tournament, so if you're not familiar with that, you'll be measuring these fish and they'll be converted to weight. 
Um, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you, you mentioned the Future Angler Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the Future Angler Foundation is a nonprofit, 501c3 nonprofit. Um, our, our mission is to create new anglers. It's that simple. Um, we've got two different ways we do that. One is through our grassroots um, events or support of grassroots events where we give rods and reels and T-shirts and some other things to anglers who educate tomorrow's uh, new anglers, uh, both youth and and older anglers. And then also we have our digital component um, where we've got television series that we've created that is on uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, and public broadcasting um, on a national basis. And uh, there's nine shows currently, half-hour television shows, and we've got another uh, six that will be done by the end of this year. And millions and millions of potential new anglers are seeing this series. It's it's very exciting. Yeah, and Um, I... I appreciate that because there's a lot of new anglers that got into fishing because of COVID because it's outside and it's a good good uh, thing to do. Well, we, we're hoping that part of the reason they got into it is that we've been doing this. This will be our, our third third year now that we're these things have been broadcast. So we, you know, as far as hitting it perfectly with timing, we couldn't have been better with coming out with this series of shows uh, to get people interested in fishing and especially PBS. You know, PBS is not where you normally would go to find out or learn about angling. Um, you know, public broadcasting system is really about education, and that's they've been enamored with the response for the fishing shows on their networks, and they're asking for more, and, and we're providing that. Um, so very exciting. Thursday night, real important, Thursday night at our conference, we will host our annual uh, Future Angler Foundation Benefit Banquet that's sponsored by Yamaha and Skeeter. Um, last year, with a uh, little help from Johnny Morris, we raised about $45,000 at that event. And that money all goes to buy these rods and reels that were given to kids. Um, pretty exciting. Yeah, that, that is excellent. Um, so uh, registration for this, what's the easiest way for them to register? We, we want to make sure we get that in and, and, uh, and the timing of it. I think I saw that September 19th was the uh, for early registration. Correct. The early registration ends on September 19th. Our room block at the, uh, at the Kalahari Resort and convention uh, is through that date as well. Um, we've got discounted rooms that are about half price from what they're selling for right now. Kalahari is a very, very popular place. You can register for the conference itself, at the non-member registration, and we, we, we like non-members to be there, is $225. If you're a member, it's $175. That's for a three-day event, and you can go to the NTA website uh, at www.npaa.net and click click on the conference tab and you can register right there. And there's also the agenda. Um, Gerald Swindle speaking. He's got a video up uh, about why you should think about attending. Um, it's really, really going to be a great event. 
Yeah, you always get some top-name speakers and also top-name attendees uh, because uh, many of the professional fishermen are, are in there. You've had in the past a lot of the walleye guys, but uh, a lot more of the bass guys coming on, and I think it's it's uh, it's become just uh, if you're a fisherman or woman and want to uh, uh, learn more about uh, becoming a professional in this industry, it's a good place to start also, isn't it? Well, exactly, and it's we're unique. It's the only place you can get this type of information on the professional side of angling, which would include you know things like taxes and making sure you have the right insurance and a business plan and you know how to, how you market yourself and how you ask for sponsorship. We cover all of that, and uh, it's really really important if you're going to succeed. Um, as an as a professional angler, whether a guide or a charter captain or a tournament angler. Excellent. How about for uh, uh, the youth of the uh, of the world? Is there a discount for them to get into this? There absolutely is. Um, so we have our what we call our student angler um, membership. That's uh, you know the pro membership for NPAA is a hundred dollars. Student anglers fifty, and then we also discount for the student anglers. This would be the high school anglers and the and the college anglers. Um, we also discount the conference. And the conference discount um, this year, the, the price would be $100 for the student anglers. So there's a, about a $75 discount for the student anglers. Excellent. And, you know, there's so many uh, kids that are on high school teams and college teams, and um, many of these uh, young men and women do have aspirations to become professional fishermen. But even if they don't, they're going to school for marketing and things, uh, engineering and things that they could still work in this industry because they have a passion for it. So definitely a, a great place for them to start, get information, uh, and, and give them ideas and and the context that you'll make here can be so valuable because that is a lot of this business too, isn't it? It's networking is this business. It's that simple. I've been in it since I was 15 years old and, you know, the, you know, started retail sporting goods when I was 15, um, and worked, you know, now I'm going to be 64. That's a lot of years in this industry. And I can tell you that networking is the most important aspect, no matter what you want to do in the, in the industry. And, I, and I'm hoping that our organiza organization can help create these new industry um, representatives and leaders uh, because a lot of these high school and college kids that are fishing these tournaments right now, that's where they're going to end up as in this industry. Absolutely. And, and they're, they've got such an early start at it. I didn't, st I didn't fish my first tournament at a club level until I was 31 years old. I'm, I'm 63. I'm loving it, but it's, uh, you know, I didn't get that early start. But uh, one more time, how do we uh, get the information to attend on October 20th through the 22nd at Sandusky, Ohio? Early registration uh, open through September 19th. Give that website again one more time. It's www.npaa.net. Excellent. Uh, thanks again, Pat, for being on the podcast. It won't be the last time. I uh, enjoy having you on, and uh, you do a great job with the uh, uh, the whole organization and the uh, Future Angler Foundation. Uh, we truly appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, um, and thank you for what you do for this industry with this, this ASA podcast. It's, uh, it's very, very good information for everybody. Excellent. Thank you. 
That was Pat Nye. I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz, but he's remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. We've got a guest on today for his second appearance. You'll be hearing a lot from this guy in the future because it seems like we'd like to have people out who win tournaments, and uh, he's racking them up. Uh, this guy is really good. He's from Peterborough, Ontario in Canada. He's known as a smallmouth specialist, but if you're calling him that, you're wrong because this guy catches largemouth as well as smallmouth. You put this guy in the water where there's bass swimming, he's going to put them in the boat, I guarantee you. Please welcome Chris Johnson. Hey, Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, always a pleasure. Uh, you just got home from a big tournament win, and uh, you're playing Mr. Mom. Uh, tell us about your family. What's going on there? I got a, I got a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and uh, Mom just went uh, to a friend's wedding on the West Coast, so I'm uh, I'm doing it all this week, so just staying busy with the kids. We uh we made a slip and slide today and we might go fishing once or twice this week and uh just keeping busy and then uh, I'm actually heading back to the St. Lawrence here in a week for the Bassmaster Northern Open. Unbelievable. Um I think that's great. Uh I know you're a good family man. Where is Peterborough, Ontario in Canada? Um it's it's about an hour and a half northwest of Toronto. And uh, it's about two hours from Kingston, Ontario, which is 
um, the gateway to the St. Lawrence River right across from, I would say, Clayton, New York. Hey, this this is good because you got me my Canada fix right there because you set a boot. <laughs> I'm sure if you talk to me long enough, you'll hear a few of those. I appreciate I appreciate that. I, I tried to figure out a way to get you to say it, but I didn't need to. Uh, it, it's it's excellent. You know, Canada is so misunderstood. People from the, the States are, are really ignorant of uh, of what Canada is about. You know, uh, uh, Toronto is a... Uh, a very sophisticated city, one of the biggest cities in, in the world. It's it's phenomenal how uh, fast-paced and modern it is. Montreal is is a, is a great city, and it's got some great history and flavor. Uh, city-wise, uh, you know, those are two of the coolest cities I've ever been to. But a lot of people think Canada is uh, northwest Ontario. It's, uh, you know, watch out for the moose. Let's go catch a muskie. It. It's it's not not like that at all, truly, right? No, no, we do have a lot of remote areas like northern Western Ontario, but um, we also have some big metropolises like Toronto, Vancouver, Ottawa, Montreal, like you mentioned. And um, so, yeah, if you like the big city living, there's there's plenty of those areas in Canada, but um, there's lots of remote areas if you want to get away from the big city, and that's kind of where I'm at. I avoid them. Yeah. <laughs> and you got you guys are all open for business again, right? We can come up and visit. That's true, and I know the hunting and fishing lodges will appreciate it this fall. Right, uh, they're begging to get some of the Americans back up. I cannot believe what they had to be going through. It was totally brutal. Uh, uh, the, the Canadian tour, tourism industry took such a beating from this COVID. I mean, everybody got beaten down by the COVID, but uh, that just seemed to be the worst situation uh, you could possibly they- be in. And let, let's look at look at fishing. Otherwise, you had a situation with uh, uh, the quarantining all, and all that. It changed during COVID, but for a while, you couldn't leave home, cross the border, and come back, right? No, that's that's not true. Actually, we had a we had an exemption for work, so um, because we make our living in the states, we could cross the border back and forth. Okay, and, and, uh, so it was okay that way. All right, that 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 was that was good. That that was good. But then again, on some of the bodies of water that are shared borders, where you were like like say a Lake Erie, uh, that's you know on one side it's Ohio, the other side is Canada. Uh, there were restrictions about crossing the uh, uh, crossing the line to get into into Canadian waters if you were a U.S. citizen, and that made fishing a little bit different, right? Yeah, for sure. The last the last two years, I, for example, fished the Bassmaster lead on the St. Lawrence River, which half of it is in Canada, and we couldn't fish in Canadian waters, which I wish we could have. But uh, they literally just lifted that net as well, so you can you can fish uh, Canadian and American waters as long as you don't touch shore, which, which is the same as what it used to be. Okay, let's talk uh, St. Lawrence River. Um, you just won the Toyota Series event on the St. Lawrence River. Uh, you fished under the Major League Fishing banner. You are normally a, a Bassmaster Elite fisherman. Um, but you just I'm assuming that you just couldn't pass up the chance to, to fish for money on the St. Lawrence. You're, you're exactly right. Um, I, I make my living fishing tournaments, and when there's a big tournament on a body water, you know you got to jump in it if you can, and 
Um, luckily, it lined up with my schedule. I was able to fish it, and it paid off for sure this time. But you know what? You, you look at the lineup on uh, who fished this Toyota Series on the St. Lawrence River, and you, you finished first, and, and your brother Corey finished second. But there were a lot of top pros up and down uh, the standings, and uh, I, I saw I, I could I saw Ellie uh, came up to fish it, and it's not that far for him, and he's got the week open. Sure, throw my hat in the ring and, and go after a nice payday. But you get a guy like Wu Daves, a former uh, a Bassmaster Classic winner, who takes it one heck of a long drive to go up there. I look at that and I say, man, this has got to be like a uh, a bucket list kind of thing for for a Wu Daves to say, man, I'm going up there. I want to fish the St. Lawrence. Is is it is it that good that just it, it makes these guys have to go? Yeah, and I I don't know if people have the time, especially in the south, like. It's August. It's too hot down there. You don't really want to go fishing. Why not go up north, enjoy the weather, and some of the best fishing you can get. Like down south, most of the lakes, the fishing's not great. So you can go to the best smallmouth fisher in the world, fish a fish a tournament, possibly make some money, and um, if not, look at it as a vacation just to go enjoy the the fishing, different scenery, and um, yeah, like I said, get some big smallmouth. You got you weighed in fifteen smallies. I'm sure you caught a heck of a lot more than that. Did you catch any largemouth by chance? No, I did not even have a largemouth rod in the boat. But uh, there is some great largemouth fishing on the St. Lawrence. I just didn't target them. I, you know, my my partner Dave fished in it, and he got he got a really nice largemouth. I think it was on the last day, and he sent me the picture, and I I was surprised. Uh, you know. Uh, that he got that because I don't think he was fishing for them in particular. Um, how often? How often do you get surprised? Well, obviously you weren't in this event, but um, largemouth and smallmouth are, are they ever in the same water, or do you have to specifically target one or the other? There, there's a few areas you can get a mixed bag of largemouth and smallmouth, but most of the areas I target are strictly smallmouth. But I, I do know of a couple areas that you could get a mixed bag, but I I just don't usually go for those in the tournament. They're they're not what I call a spots for me at least. All right, fair enough. How, how far away does Corey live from you, your brother Corey? Uh, just ten minutes. He's oh. in Peterborough as well. Okay, ten minutes. Uh, excellent. He he did well. Now, obviously, you're competing uh, with, with with your brother. I, I don't think it's as cutthroat a competition as, as people might like to make it to be. You guys are the best of buddies. Uh, and I got a funny feeling that you, you, you give each other pointers and, and, and help on occasion. Um, what do you guys do competitively? Uh, I had heard this, and you can, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong or yell at me for being out of line, but do you guys go 50-50 on your winnings? Uh, we, we actually do, and um, long story short, we, we grew up fishing team tournaments together since I was whatever 14, and he could drive. So we kind of started a business and paid for our tournaments and stuff out of that, and as we progressed, we just kind of kept it going, and it's worked out so far. But uh, we're we're also very competitive people, and trust me, he doesn't hear the end of it, but I just, I just beat him, and <laughs> on the St. Lawrence, and he's starting to practice early for the next tournament on the St. Lawrence, which is in less than two weeks. 
So he's going to put probably four or five more days of practice in, and the main thing is probably going to, just going to be to beat me. But but he's going to share all his information. Well, he's going to tell you everything, right? No, he'll, he'll <laughs> tell me some stuff, but he'll tell me where he found them and uh, that he's going to be fishing there. That's about it. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> but I better stay away from them is basically what he's going to tell me. Unbelievable, and I'm and I'm sure you would respect that, and I I understand that, and um. You know, he he is your brother, but I do know that uh, um, you travel or, or you know sh- uh, share some stuff with uh, uh, Gussie, Jeff Gustafson, and uh, Seth Fighter. You're, you're a, a little group that that you guys have, and uh, I'm sure that that's real competitive too. But it, it's nice competition. You guys are friends, not enemies. Correct, correct. It's always fun to have some competition, but then the they are all friends. Yeah. So how much chop busting is fighter doing for edging you out on angler of the year? He won the angler of the year this year in the elites. And, uh, uh, you came in, you came in second to him. I'm sure this has been a subject of conversation. Yeah. I'm the first loser is what you can say. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, no, he's actually, he's, he's not too, too bad about rubbing them. But, uh, so it was Jesse and my brother. I, I wouldn't hear the end of it. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely great! I think it's it's wonderful. I want to hear more about this tournament. Uh, I I think it's great. But first of all, I I said that before about smallmouth and largemouth. Um, I talked to I talked to Seth recently, and and he said that uh, he gets branded as a smallmouth guy, and and he really grew up fishing largemouth because uh, his experience in bass was from uh, southern Minnesota, and he says you got to head north to get the good smallies. He said, I'm really a largemouth guy that learned the smallmouth and the tournaments. Um, can't say that about you. How did you learn your largemouth fishing? Because you spend an awful lot of time on largemouth water. Um, to be honest, when I grew up, I, I could say the same thing. But said I grew up largemouth fishing. Um, the Great Lakes, two hours is Kingston. And when I was growing up, smallmouth fishing wasn't great there. Um, my dad fished all the tournaments around here and they, they all got one on largemouth. So when I grew up practicing with him and even fishing tournaments until I was probably, I don't know, 17, 18, they were mostly dominated in largemouth. And over the past 10 years, even our local lakes, the smallmouth have really taken over and you better learn to catch the smallmouth. So it's, uh, uh don't get me wrong. You still catch some smallmouth around here when I was growing up, but it was largemouth dominated. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I think that is really interesting to hear. I need to take a real quick break. Uh, we're going to take a break, let our sponsors have a word when uh, we come back. Chris Johnson is going to talk about his sponsors. He's going to talk about this big uh, Toyota Series win on the St. Lawrence River and his expectations for the next visit he's making shortly to there as well. We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We'll be right back with more Chris Johnson. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. 
Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I am Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Check us out on social media, like on Facebook. We're certainly easy enough to find when you locate us. Please follow us, share us, and click that you like us. We appreciate it, and we thank you for all of your support. Here's a guy who has a lot of support. He's one of the most popular guys on the water. Uh, it's because he catches fish. He's got a great personality, and he wins a lot of money. He is Canada's own Chris Johnston. Hey, Chris, welcome back. <laughs> How's it going? Going great. Hey, uh, you know, you look at this, talking about largemouth and smallmouth, smallmouth are getting more and more popular, as proven by the scheduling for both Major League Fishing and BASS, are, are, are having you all drive to more smallmouth waters than ever before. Uh, I'd say 10 years ago, uh, smallmouth was something nobody even thought about. I know you are excited because you're doing well with them. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are. What's the general thinking on tour with the guys who are mostly largemouth guys from the south? Are they happy with this fact that fishing is, is moving towards smallmouth? I I really don't think they're too upset about it. And uh, a lot of them are trying to get better. And uh, you see after tournaments that are up north the last couple of years and the southern guys that maybe didn't do as well in the tournaments, they stick around for a couple of weeks and keep practicing the smallmouth because they know they need to learn it and to be competitive overall in the year. They need to be able to catch smallmouth. And um, instead of being in the south where the fishing's tough, the tournaments are going up north where you got some of the best fishing there is. And uh, so it's great for it's great for the cameras. It's great for the fans and even most of the anglers would rather be up north out of the heat and catching a bunch of fish. So. No, I don't think people mind. I know that it's a grind to do what you do because of the travel and the scheduling. You know, people look and say, hey, they fish for four days. They got a couple weeks off. They fish for four days. Ah, it's not like that at all. Uh, you, you're, you're driving an incredible distance. You've got practices. Then you've got other obligations, sponsor obligations and the like. You really don't have a lot of days off. And more travel probably is a difficult thing to think about, but I look at it too that if you look at it from like a bucket list thing, there's a couple of lakes out on the West Coast that I think anybody who fishes bass 
would love to hit a clear lake, for example, and, and, and say, do that. What would, what would your feeling be if they dropped one of those on the schedule for you? I would think, oh, that's a long drive. And I wish I had them to drive my truck and I'd fly and I wouldn't complain one bit. Excellent. But, but- uh, no, I, I, you're right. It's a bucket list thing. I wouldn't want to do that drive every year, but if they went there one every five years and I'd suck it up just to go out and experience that fishing. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great television. And, uh, you know, the, the amazing thing about tournament fishing is I'll ask guys, what's the biggest bass you've ever caught? And they'll say, and I got 11, 11, six or whatever. And it's never in a tournament. You know, you're, you're lucky to break, you know, you don't see tens caught in competition. It just, it just doesn't happen to go to a lake like those West coast lakes where fish like that are, are, going to be a little bit more frequent would be make for some great television, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you're, you're definitely right. And especially if they time it right where the fishing's really good, <clears throat> you, you hit a, hit a week where you could get the 30 to 40 pound stringer. All right. So I, I think people would be very entertained watching that. I, I, I know I would. I know I would. I'd love, love to watch it. Not have to drive out there and get, be able to watch it. And, and once once the yeah once the anglers get there, they won't be <laughs> complaining as much as the fishing's good. Yeah, but you might sure. hear some complaining on the way out there. All right, so tell me, uh, you are you are the king of the smallmouth fishermen in my estimation. What'd you do to go out and catch fifteen smallmouth that average over five pounds? What 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 did you what what were you using? What did you do? Tell me how you got these fish. Um, I, I fished, uh, I fished about 60 miles from takeoff each day, 60 to actually 90 miles. I, uh, I caught a couple of fish in the St. Lawrence river the first two days and they were in about 15 to 18 feet. And I actually found them on a calm day. I could see them down there and, um, they don't look big at that depth, but, um, when you catch one, they were all giants. They're five to six pounds. <laughs> so I caught all them on a drop shot. And uh, just using a prototype worm that I'm designing for Spro, and I caught almost all my fish on it actually. Wow! And uh, so I do that, and there wasn't a lot of fish there. And then I'd run out to Lake Ontario and uh, finish out my limit and get a couple upgrades out there. And on day three, I knew my river spot dried up, so I just ran. I think it's 110 miles straight. Got gas on the way out. Went out, fished for about three and a half hours. Got gas, and then drove all the way back. So there wasn't a lot of fishing time during this tournament. There was a lot more driving. So I was in the driver's seat of that Ranger Mercury combo for at least four hours a day. And uh, I said it before, but you have to have some um, some trust in your equipment that it's going to get you there and back in tournaments like these so you can make these runs and gambles. It makes, makes a lot of sense. And that is, that is a gamble. The one thing about fishing the Toyota series that's very, very different for you is this is a tournament where you're partnered with a co-angler. Yep. Uh, only time yeah. this only time this year that you'll be doing that. What what is it like when you look at your co-angler, you get in a boat in the morning and you say, okay, we're gonna make a hundred and ten mile run. What 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 does his face look like when you say that? <laughs> they're usually they're usually pretty excited to be honest, especially on Lake Ontario. Um they they usually have a little confidence that I'm gonna put them in the right areas. Excellent. So, so they don't they don't seem to mind and 
the wind wasn't too bad. So that's the thing. This is this was a one-off tournament for me. So I just said I'm going to gamble and make a big run. If it had been an elite series where points mattered, I probably would have had to practice the river a little more because if it got windy in the lake, you can't get out there. Uh-huh. And uh, we got fortunate enough that the wind wasn't terrible, so we could go out every day. But that usually doesn't work in a three-day tournament. One of the days, it's usually too windy to make it out to the lake. Right, right, yeah. How, how'd your co-anglers do? Um, they did okay. I think 15 pounds for the first two days, and my co-angler last day had 22, and he ended up winning it. So... He was pretty happy. He's got a six pounder in the last five minutes. Good. That is very cool. I, that's got to be that's got to be very different having co anglers. And I, I understand the philosophy of of not having co anglers. And uh, you know it's it's angler it's angler driven. It wasn't like the the suit said we're going to take away co anglers. You know the, the the anglers wanted the the change made. But I, on the other hand, it's got to be kind of cool to bring that in once in a while for you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, seeing guys now get pretty excited to go smallmouth fishing with me is pretty cool. <laughs> like my one guy said, I, I watch you on TV. I never thought I'd be in the same boat again. Yeah, I, uh, I maybe take it for granted. You know, I don't, I don't hear that stuff very often. I just go out and do my own thing, and um, it's cool to see people actually watching and following along. And um, it's also good for the sport because it's the feeder system that keeps boaters coming back and keeps it at two hundred boats or. 150 boats a tournament, right? So that's where these guys are learning. Well, you know, and and you said you're going up to one of the the best fisheries in the in the country. Uh, it's it's a small price to pay to pay that uh, co angler fee, and you you get up there and now you're fishing with three pros on three different days. You're learning so much. Uh, you've never been guided like that. It, it's a it's an inexpensive vacation for what you get back and. Uh, I support it uh, greatly. I, I feel a little bad that the the big time, the biggest, the highest levels don't support co angling. But at the other levels, man, I think co angling is one of the best things anybody can do for themselves. One hundred percent. And I think you have to have the mentality, like you just said, it's like a vacation. You're going to have fun, learn, and if you make a check at the end of the day, it's a bonus. Yeah, yeah. And for if sure. you have that mentality, you'll have fun every tournament. And and if you use your head and you're smart and you can get yourself a couple of days of pre-fishing with somebody, uh, that that's even better. A lot, a lot of guys don't do that. They just go up for the three days of co-angling. But you know what? Go, get up there. When those guys are up there, and uh, you'll, you'll get somebody to let you in the boat and, uh, and, and pre-fish. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a cool thing. you got to work it right and be and be smart. Hey, when I talk, uh, you talked about that sprawl bait that you're working on. Uh, uh, they call it in the, in the press an unidentified prototype. Won't push that anymore, but I want to ask you about color. Uh, did you use different colors? Was uh, color uh, was color important in this? Or to be to be honest, I I only have one color, um, and it literally is a prototype. Um, they sent us every one they have. Um, we don't have packages for them or anything. They were all prototypes in one color, and uh, there's a couple different sample like um, textures of it and stuff. And they just sent us all of them. And uh, there's one that we like in particular, and um, the fish eat it like crazy. And the nice thing is you can catch multiple fish on one bait. Oh, and, nice! Uh, not like not like where you catch one, your bait flies off every time. So um, you could you could use probably. 
two or three of these worms all day and catch 50 bass. So um, I have about 10 left for next week. <laughs> That's it. There's no more. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, um, wanted to ask you about sponsors. Uh, who, who do we want to talk about that helps you uh, make the kind of money you're making right now? Um, I, I've got numerous sponsors, like you said, and they've all, they've all helped me out in different ways, but Under Armour's been with me for about 10 years. And, I'm sorry, who's been with um, you for 10 years? Who did you say? Under Armour. Oh, Under Armour, yeah, sure. And they, they obviously make some of the best sports, um, athletic equipment like shirts and, um, fishing gear now, ring gear, and, um, they've come a long ways in the fishing industry, so that, that's pretty cool. They've got heat gear. Um, Diawite, um, they've come on board the last couple of years and, um, their, their equipment is second to none. Mercury, Ranger, Power Pole, and obviously everyone, you probably have people on your show talking about, uh, the new technologies Garmin has, the live scope. Um, they, they've, uh, they probably, they probably accounted for half the wins in the last couple of years on the Elite Series using Garmin live scope. Isn't that it's amazing? That it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Now now all the other companies have, have something similar, so it was kind of a race to have that technology perfected first. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but um, close to sunglasses, but they've all helped, helped me out in different ways and been with all these sponsors for a long time. And well, they're all happy to be with you. I know they are. Yeah. I know hopefully they... I'll keep these partnerships and uh, we'll keep growing them and Maybe pick up one or two more over the next couple of years. Hey, uh, qu- question. I, I know TH Marine's one of your one of your sponsors. Yep. Do you use the HydroWave? I I I do use it, um, but I didn't use it in this application on the St. Lawrence. Question. Why not? To, to be to be quite honest, I don't want the fish coming near my boat. <laughs> if that makes sense, because once once they get near my boat, they usually spook. I'm trying to stay as far away from the spot back up. I'm fishing isolated spots. Okay. So I live on these rock, these rock piles. Yeah. So I'm trying to stay 80 to hundred yards off the spot. And if I turn a hydro wave off on, it might pull them off the area. I want them to stay on that rock pile and I'm casting my bait up there. and let me go on the rock pile. <laughs> that's a, Does that's that a great endorsement for hydro wave. When you think about it, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't so want to use it because it's going to bring the fish to me. Oh, my goodness. Boy, oh, boy, they had to get a copy wanted, of this I and to put be, this in their advertising. Want, yeah, I want it to be a surprise. And when the fish know you're there, like, they might get halfway boat and then figure it out. But I want it to be a surprise when my bait lands on, on them. And if they don't know you're there, they bite it 90% of the time. You're the odds-on Favorite to win the next event at the St. Lawrence. Uh, do you feel any extra pressure? <laughs> I I do. Everyone's looking at me like, oh, how much are you going to weigh this time? And um, there's extra pressure. And to be honest, I won't be able to practice much. I might get two or three days of lucky. So um, I'll be fishing some history. But I think my brother's probably going to be the guy to beat, to be honest, because he's putting probably six or seven days of practice in. Well, he's a pretty nice guy, too. So that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I still like to beat them, but we'll see. Excellent. Well, I hope you win it again because I'd love to have you on the show again real quickly. Uh, I think you're a cool guy. You're great for the sport. Uh, the fan, the fans love you. You do a great job uh, talk, uh, talking on TV, on social media. 
whenever I see you, you've always got a big crowd around you, and uh, you're, you're riding the you're riding the wave, man. You're doing great, and uh, we're big fans, and we hope we'll talk to you again real soon. I appreciate having me on the show. Hey, anytime, Chris Johnson. He is one of the best. Won another huge tournament, St. Lawrence River. Gonna win another one coming up too. I got a funny feeling. We'll talk to him again real soon, Chris Johnson. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnson from St. Croix. We talked to Pat Nye from the National Professional Anglers Association. Big annual meeting and seminar coming up. Definitely would like to see a lot of people attend that. And then Chris Johnson, Bassmaster Elite Fisherman, just won a Major League Fishing event on the St. Lawrence River. That guy can catch some fish. Unbelievable. I would like to thank our sponsors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. Daiwa, they have what you need for every application at every price point. There is no reason not to be using Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to get the free We Fish ASA app for iPhones at the Play Store. The podcast is always available on our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone you think we ought to have on the show, please let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.